morning, everyone. It's the first time behind this. I feel like I'm on the like the bow of the Titanic or something. It's <laughs> it's different. <laughs> um, it's good to have you here this morning, and uh, you may have seen us running around a little bit before we started. All of our technology, old and new, decided to leave us today. The uh, overhead thing decided not to work, and my iPad wouldn't communicate with it. Mark says I'm old, and I was going to come here today and prove that I'm not old, that I would be the... <laughs> well, I was going to be the first one here with an iPad, you know, and, and run it through and all this stuff, but I'm humbled. Uh, and then the old technology, the light bulb went, so... But of course, it's a new technology light bulb, one of those halogen sort of things, and now we're back to the way light should be, incandescent. So anyway, that's, that's where we are this morning. Let's, uh, this way? Yeah. <laughs> How's that? This way? Okay. Sorry about that. <coughs> let's, uh, let's take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you this morning uh, for all of your greatness and for your grace to us. Thank you for the uh, songs and the thoughts that we sing especially when we consider you did not spare your own son, but you sent him to deliver us all from our sins. And Father, we pray that as we look into this uh, passage of Scripture, that it would be encouraging to us, it would be strengthening to us. And Lord, if there's somebody here who does not know you, Lord, may they see the Lord Jesus for who he really is and come and trust him. We ask it in his name. Amen. As was mentioned before, we do have a, uh, uh, a potluck lunch, and uh, if you didn't bring a pot, you're still in luck. Come and, and have, some, uh, have a meal with us. So uh, There's lots of food, so please feel free to stay. We're going to look, uh, and I can't believe how long it's been since I, I last uh, looked in the book of Revelation. It was back in May. Uh, I, ca I can't believe that we kind of skipped ahead that, that far. Um, but we... Uh, grr. <coughs> that, went, that shut down on us. So don't know why, but it did. So we're, we're going to go back and we're going to finish up the book of Revelation in this section, in this session and, uh, and one more, probably in January. But this is, a, this is a place, and I said we were going to pull over and kind of park in 21 and 22 for a little while because it's about heaven. And I don't know about you, but I didn't think enough about heaven this past week. I thought a lot about business. I thought a lot about troubles. I thought a lot about trials. I thought a lot about health. I thought a lot about different things. And I confess to you, that I thought a bit about heaven only because I was preaching on it today. And we go through, as believers, many, many, many days, I believe, without a, hardly a thought of our heavenly home. And that is uh, to our own disappointment, really. And it's, it's something we, we need to consider. Now, is this, oh, good, it's there. And I'll turn this off so you can see it. That better? All right. 
All right, so I want to I want to just take you back for a moment and just briefly review some of the things we we already looked at about heaven. Um, the first thing is that in heaven everything is always new all the time. When we get to heaven, it will not be like anything we've ever seen on earth. Everything will be new. Everything will be different. Everything will be changed. Some of the things that we will we will know. First of all, heaven is going to be where we will live will be on earth, not this earth, but a new created earth in, in the new Jerusalem. That will be the capital. That is where everything will emanate out of this new Jerusalem, this, this city, this heavenly city that will come down and be on the new earth. The third thing is that we looked at was in heaven, God is always going to be near. These are all from Revelation chapter 21. You will read all of these in Revelation chapter 1. And I, I apologize, I'm going briefly because we've already gone in depth on these. One of the wonderful things about heaven is the fact that I don't have to go to a quiet room, get down on my knees, and pray to a God who is not physically near me. In heaven, God will always be near. That is one of the wonderful things about heaven. One of the things about heaven, and this is a wonderful thing, and it's not a wonderful thing. Or, or no, this one is a wonderful thing, sorry. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be no tears, no death, no mourning, no crying, no sickness, no pain. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen my share of this stuff that I'd like to see the end of it. No death, no tears, no mourning, no crying, no sickness, no pain. It will be a wonderful place. I know some people have gone through some very difficult times. People have lost loved ones. People have been very, very ill in the past number of months. People have gone through difficult things in their lives and pain. In heaven, that will be gone. It truly will be a wonderful place. Not everyone is going to heaven. Now that's good and bad. It's good for the people there but it's bad for those who are not going to be there. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. The other thing is that heaven is filled with the glory of God. You know the thing that the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? When we are in heaven, the glory of God will be full on all the time. It'll never be diminished. It'll never be anything else but. And we will experience and see the glory of God all the time. The other thing is heaven is exclusive. There's only one way to get there. Heaven is exclusive. We read that in the scriptures, and I'll talk about that in a minute as well. Heaven is huge. Here's the dimensions. It's 2,400 kilometers by 2,400 kilometers by 2,400 kilometers, and that is just the city, the New Jerusalem. This cubic city, and I don't know how it all works. I mean, if you think about it, it your, your mind goes to these kind of crazy science fiction-y sort of things, but that's wrong. Whatever you're thinking about heaven, what it's going to look like is probably wrong. Just be assured of that. But I'll tell you what, it's huge. It is very, very big. The capital city, is; those are the dimensions. The other thing we read about all of the minerals and the pearls and all the gems and so on, heaven is a beautiful place. It will be beauty beyond anything we can imagine. I got up this morning, I'm greeted usually most mornings by the sunrise when I'm heading through my kitchen, and, uh, well, 
we get sunrises about what, once a month in Nova Scotia. But, but every time I'm walking through and I, I notice the sunrise, I have to stop at the door and look out into the east and just see the beauty of that sunrise. Those sunrises will pale in comparison to the beauty of heaven. Now, you notice that I, I said that not everyone is going to heaven and heaven is exclusive. These are the two most important things that I can tell you today about heaven. First of all, this is something that Jesus himself was concerned about. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few that find it. It's a very sobering thought to think that not many will go to heaven. That's a difficult thought to think that not everybody is going to be going there. I know that a lot of times you might go to a funeral or you might read something about somebody who died and it, and it says, and it, and it kind of, after the fact, kind of puts them in a place that they're gone to heaven. Well, Jesus himself said, narrow is the gate. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. There are few people that find the way to heaven. We have folks that go down on the streets and, and preach to the countless people that walk by. Hundreds of people every night probably are offered an opportunity to change the road from the broad road to the narrow road. Most say no. Most say they would rather continue on on the broad road. It's a sobering thought. There's only one way to heaven. There is only one way to get there. There's not many roads. There's not several paths. There's not different journeys. There is only one way to get there. Every single person who will get to heaven will get there by one way. No one is going to come up to me or you in heaven and say, oh, you're here. How did you get here? We only got there one way. It says in the Bible that for grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not one person can ever say, well, you know what? I saved up my good works, and that got me here. I tried really, really hard. I was really religious. I did all the right things. I crossed the T's and dotted the I's. I didn't offend anybody. I'm not as bad as the guy down the street. I've never murdered anybody. You hear all that stuff. Nobody will ever be able to say, that's how I got to heaven. There is one way. In Acts, we read this verse, this wonderful verse. There is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given among men or people whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way to get there. And we only have one chance to do it, and that's in this life. And really in this life, all you have is right now, if you've never made that decision, if you've never come to Christ, you have right now. There is no guarantee that you will get home today. There is no guarantee that you have tomorrow. You have one day today to make that decision to come and choose Christ. In Hebrews, it says it's appointed to men once to die, and after this comes judgment. It's too late at that point. 
So there's one way, one chance, and one responsibility, and that responsibility is yours. I know this sounds harsh, but it's, it's not. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this with a desire that you would not be one of those on the broad road. Our desire here and our hope for every person that comes through this door is that you choose Christ who died for you on the cross, took all of your sins upon himself. We spoke this morning at the Lord's Supper. We came and we thought about how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, spotless, sinless, never committed a sin in his life, yet he went to a cross and took all of what your sin deserves, the death you deserve, and it was all put upon him and he was judged in your place. Why? So that you may go to heaven. So that you may have eternal life and life in him. The verse we're going to look at on Tuesday night when we have our John study. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish from the end of the broad road. Shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus himself said, and this is why I say there's only one way to heaven, because I agree with what he said. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we're going to continue. That is my summary of where we've been. We're going to continue, and we're going to go into Revelation chapter 21, the, the concluding verses, and we're going to talk about heaven. And I hope that as we look at this and consider this, if you have never come to Christ, that you will consider these things. That he died, that you may have heaven. If you're a believer here, I, th this should really, really cheer you up. This should really cheer you up. This is where we're going. And this is, this is, this is our eternal home. What we have here is all temporary. It's all going to go away. Every bit of it. The stuff I bought for my wife for Christmas won't matter. The stuff she bought for me, eh, I won't be taking that to heaven with me either. Our homes, our cars, our jobs, all of that stuff will be nothing. Nothing. We need to invest our time and our thoughts, our money, our prayers, our labors in eternal things, because they will last forever. Let's read. Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 27. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, are, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there is no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring glory and honor, uh, and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination, lying, shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to say in this, this little passage, uh, passage here that we'll discover five things that are absent from heaven. That's kind of the way I've broken it up. Now, there's a whole lot that you could say about heaven, but there's a whole lot you just don't know. There's a whole lot we don't know, and I think there's a good reason for that. First of all, there will be no temple. 
There will be no temple. There will be no sanctuary or temple because God and Jesus Christ, the Lamb, are its temple. It says in verse 22. The whole city will kind of be a virtual temple. We, we come to churches and chapels and, and temples and so on on this earth to, to, to worship God. God's in heaven, we're here, we come and we worship. There will be no need for a temple. There will be no need for a, a church building because God himself will be in the midst of us. As we said before, God is always going to be near in heaven. We will be in the very presence of God. We don't need to go to church in heaven. We don't need to have this for fellowship. We will always be in perfect communion and fellowship in heaven with one another and with God himself who, in whose presence we will be living. God will always be with us in the new Jerusalem. Secondly, and I let the cat out of the bag, there will be no need for the sun or the moon. The city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminates it, and the Lamb is its light. Now, that's kind of cool. We occasionally see the sun here, and we love it. Do you ever notice how everybody at work cheers up when the sun comes out? There's something about light. I'll tell you, uh, recently I, I discovered something. I, I, in order to save our great company power, I, and just for my own comfort, I don't turn the lights on in my office most days. I just come in and work by whatever light's in the room. And it's kind of nice. I like it. It's easy on the eyes. I don't have that fluorescent stuff cooking me from up above. I feel like uh, one of those rotisserie chickens half the time when those lights are on. But anyway, I... I I noticed I'm falling asleep at my desk. I thought, this is crazy. Last couple of months, I'm falling asleep at my desk. And I thought, man, this, this you know, getting old is, is killing me, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm thinking, why am I falling asleep every day? Well, I read this article about melatonin. Turn out the lights, your body says, hey, sleepy time, big boy. And you're, like, getting into snooze mode. Meanwhile, the phone's ringing, the emails are coming in, and all that stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, this is crazy. I've turned on my light for the last two weeks, and I haven't fallen asleep at my desk since. In fact, I've even, somebody gave me one of those blue happy lights to put on your desk. For, so 20 minutes every day, I got this blazing blue light that overpowers every light in the world, shining in my face, and it keeps me awake. So it's, it's kind of cool. Now, on the... When we get to heaven, we don't need the sun and the moon for light. We will have the light of the Lamb. The light of God will illuminate us all the time. Now, because I like science and all that stuff, and I'm thinking, but I like looking at the moon. I like going out with my telescope once in a while, and I like going out with my binoculars, and I like taking my camera out and taking pictures of the moon. Does that mean there's no more moon, no more sun, no more stars? No, it doesn't. And I think I have some verses here. In Psalm chapter 148, we read this. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He's also established them forever and ever. And he has made a decree that they will not pass away. The sun and the moon are not going away. 
However, the greater light of heaven will be the light of the Lamb. It will so overpower the minuscule light that comes from the sun. It will so overpower the reflective light of the moon. I'll give you an example. I like to go camping. This year we had a big trailer, so I like to go camping in luxury too. But, but when I have to go to the, to the washroom in the middle of the night, I have a headlamp that I stick on and I, and I walk down and it lights the way that I go, can go through and, and, and find my way through the campground. Because the only light is maybe the moonlight, which is not, not great, unless it's a full moon. Now, if I were to say, okay, morning, oh, morning, everyone, and put the headlamp on and walk down, how effective would it be? You wouldn't even notice it, would you? You wouldn't notice the light. Because why? The greater light of the sun overpowers the lesser light of the headlamp. I believe the sun and the moon and the stars will still be there, but the greater light of God and being in the presence of that greater light will overpower any sun, moon, or star. In Daniel, actually, there's another verse, and then we'll move on. In Daniel, it says, Those who have uh, insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, those who le uh, lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So the stars and the sun and the moon are not going anywhere. They will be there in, this, in the new universe that God will create. But their light will pale. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 25, it says there will be no night there, and its gates will never be closed. Another beautiful passage is found in Isaiah, and it describes this time. It says, Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction in your borders. You will call on the walls of salvation, and your you will call your walls salvation, and your gates praise. No longer will you have the sun for the light by day, nor brightness, nor in nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor your moon wane, for you will have the, the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your morning will be over. The day is coming when God will be our source of light. He will be the greater light. No more power failures. Mark, finally, justice is served to Nova Scotia Power Corporation. <laughs> NAPA, done. Well, I, I understand they've changed their name anyway, try to hide, but all those, all those power corporations will be out of business because the light of the Lamb and the light of God. The next thing is there will be no self-glory in heaven. It says in 24 and 20 to 26, it says, The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, there's a lot of confusion about this. What are the nations and, and so on and so on? I have to admit, I don't really know. Um, the word that's used here for nations can also mean peoples. Just the people will, will bring their glory into it. The point of it all is that all of these people, all of these kings, no matter who you are, these, these would all be believers, of course, That's because nobody is going in there that's, that's not saved. But as they come in, nobody will come in in robes and glory and say, look at me. All glory will be given 
where it is due. It will all be given to the Lamb. It will all be given to the God of heaven. They're all redeemed people, and we, were all, we will all be glorified people, but we will bring one glory, and we will bring it to the one who deserves all the glory. It's interesting that the gates will never close. Anyone can enter at any time. You know, we had somebody has been accused of murder this past week right up around the corner from our house. I came home and I thought, okay, I'm going to lock the car, I'm going to lock the doors. You know, it's funny the fears that we have in this world because of these things. Heaven is a place where the gates will always be open. There will be no night there. We have no fear of who will walk through the gate. There'll be no theft. There'll be no murder. There'll be nothing to fear. The other thing it says is there's no sin. There is no sin. Verse 27, but there should be that by no means entering anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those whose names are written, those who are written in the book of the Lamb's Book of Life. What a delight to live in the absence of evil. What a delight to live in a place where there is no sin, there is no corruption, there is no injustice. None of those things will be in heaven. You know, it's not just the sin around me that bothers me, it's the sin that's in me that bothers me. I have a sin nature. And if I feed that enough, it will manifest itself out into sin, outwardly. Yes, I am a believer. Yes, I am saved. Yes, I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. But while I'm on this earth and, I, and we get so tired of it, we have the sin nature in us that causes us to sin. In heaven, the sin nature will truly be gone. We will have a glorified body. We will never go back there. What a wonderful hope. We will be free from the presence of sin. The other thing, there will be no sinners. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You have no fear of me. I have no fear of you. Not one sinful act for all eternity will be committed in that place. Only those who are bought by blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will have access. Only believers will be in the city. The unsaved will have no way to enter. Only those whose names are written in the book of life. In, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, all those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire, and they will be there forever. They will never enter into heaven. It will be a place for saints and their Savior. And my question to you is, will you be there? Will you be there? It's a wonderful place, free of sin. Now, I only came across this guy in the last year or so as I, as I studied at Revelation. He, he, he's got some funny things that he says. His name is Vance Havner. Maybe some of you have heard of him. I don't know. He, he's, he's with the Lord now. And he says about heaven, because as I study through this, I think that I have more questions than there are answers. Why don't we know more about heaven? Why isn't there more description so we can understand it even better? But he says this, he says, there are a lot of questions that the Bible doesn't answer about heaven. But I think one of the reasons, or one reason is illustrated by the story of a boy sitting down, sorry, Ime, sitting down to a bowl of spinach <laughs> when there's a chocolate cake at the end of the table. 
He's going to have a rough time eating that spinach when his eyes are on the chocolate cake. And if the Lord explained to us everything down here about what is ours to come, I think we'd have a rough time with our spinach down here. It would be hard to live day to day and not be distracted by what's coming, is his whole point. And maybe that's why the Lord only gave us glimpses of heaven. But someday we will see it full on, face to face. I thought that was kind of a a neat illustration. So we're going to continue on here. In, uh, this is something, we've talked about things that aren't in heaven. Let's talk about some things that are in heaven. Chapter 22, verses 1 to 5, and I won't, be, I won't be long in this. He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants uh, will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of, the li- of a light of a lamp, nor a light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, or illum- illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, we read, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear uh, what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The first thing that we, we see in this heavenly city, this is a new paradise. This is, this is paradise that replaces anything that we may think of before of paradise. This is Eden times a million. This is what this will be. The new heavenly city will be a restoration and a perfection of the Garden of Eden as God has created. The word paradise, by the way, is paradiso, paradisos, and it's a Persian of Persian orig- origin. It means a park, or specifically an Eden, or a place of uh, happiness and joy. So in this city, there's going to be a river. He showed me a river of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and from the Lamb. This clear, crystal, pure river, unpolluted, undefiled, flowing from the Lamb as its source. It's interesting because when you think of rivers, they go through the water cycle where water is evaporated from the seas, it goes up and it falls on the land and falls in the mountains and then it comes down and and forms rivers. But there will be no sea in heaven. That's one of the things that we find out. There is no sea there. So the source of this water is from the Lamb, from the Lamb of God, an eternal river flowing from the Lamb of God. It's interesting because Jesus often talks about this living water that will flow from him. He speaks in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, and he says in, uh, to Nicodemus, um, in John chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he's speaking later to this lady of this conversation he has with this lady at the well. And, and uh, I put those verses up there. In John chapter 4, verses 10 to 14, Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said, Sir, you have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. 
Where then, did, then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to him, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, speaking of the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Living water. And the source is Jesus Christ. At the Feast of Tabernacles, we also read in John chapter 7, Now on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke of the Spirit, uh, spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The water that flowed has its source. Living water has its source in Jesus Christ. I find it interesting that when he was on the cross, at, at the end when he died, they came along, they thrust a spear up into his side, and it says, forthwith came blood and what? Water. Now there's all kinds of people that say, well, that was a bit of water that comes in that pericardium that's around your, around your heart. I don't know if that's what it is. Because the water gushed from the source of living water as they stuck that spear in him and he died and gave life to those of us who were dead in our trespasses and our sins. I'm not going to make a doctrine of it, uh, but it's interesting that the source of living water is the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing that we see here is the tree. It says that on either side of, of, the, of the river was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now I have to admit, this is very mysterious to me. What is this tree? And how can a tree be on either side of the river? Uh, it's, 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 it's a magnificent tree of some kind. It's a tree of li- the tree of life. The tree of life was also present in the Garden of Eden, as we may remember. And why were they put out of the Garden of Eden? Because if they ate of the tree of life, they would live forever, and they would live in that sinful and wicked state. God removed them from that, and the tree of life will be ours to enjoy in heaven forever. When Paul was in the third heaven, he says that he saw things that can't be fully described. Here we have this tree with the same title as the, one of the trees in the Garden of Eden. It's on either side of the river. It has 12 crops of fruit, or 12 types of fruit. It's not known whether it just means 12 crops or 12 types. It's perpetual fruit from this tree. And we will eat this tree from this tree. We will feed on it. It says the leaves will be for the healings of the nations. Again, that's a mystery. What does that mean? But the word for, for healing here from the root means therapeutic. So there's no death, there's no sickness. There's no illness that we need to be healed from. But maybe this tree is like a guaranteed of continued health and vigor that we will have in heaven. Those in heaven will enjoy the benefits of this tree of life forever forever. It's interesting to see the word months used here because there is no time in heaven, but it just means forever and forever this tree will bring forth life. Now, there's another tree. In order to get there to partake of the tree of life, you need to come to the tree that gives life. The tree of Calvary I'm speaking of. 
Jesus Christ was put on a tree, on a cross, where he took your sins and my sins upon himself. He bore the penalty of death for you and me. And if we have come there and had forgiveness of our sins, we will be part of those who enjoy the tree of life. Now I'm going to just close by pointing out <laughs> seven points. Seven things that, that are blessings that we will enjoy in this eternal city. And it, it won't take long to go through these. But I, I, I would encourage you to, to take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That's really what we, we want. The aim of speaking here is to give you a, a taste for these things. I think David Hanson, I'm stealing his words maybe. I don't even see David, but he's somewhere. But, but it's, 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 it's to give you a taste for these things that you may dig into the scriptures yourself. Oh, there's David back there. So that you may look at these things yourself and ponder these things and let the word of God teach you. That is our desire. The first thing that, that, you're, that is not going to be in heaven or that will be in heaven is that there will be bliss. No more curse. All of the things that the curse of sin has brought upon this earth will be removed. No thorns, no thistles, no labor pain, no child-bearing pain, no intense labor that you work by the sweat of your brow, no underpaid and overworked. Mankind lives under that curse that's been brought on by sin. The whole creation we read is groaning for redemption because it's under the curse from sin, from the original sin. That curse will be re completely removed and gone forever. No more pain, no more sickness, no more dying, no more overwork. These things will be removed. The second thing, the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. Verse 3, we read that. A few verses back, we read that there'll be no more temple. But here we read that God's throne will be here. You know, we, ap we approach the throne of God in prayer today. We will approach it in person. What a wonderful thing that will be. We studied in chapter 4, we first encountered the throne of God. It's a place of unending praise and worship. And we will be there. We're going to sing a song to praise at the end, but we will sing forever and ever songs of praises and adoration to our God at his throne. The other thing is his servants will serve him. You know, <laughs> I was going to bring it in a little video clip. It's kind of funny, but it's these two dudes lying around on, on, on a cloud and playing a harp, and, and this is heaven forever. And, and the guy's just saying, oh, can we go hang out somewhere else? And the other guy says, well, let's go over to cloud nine. He goes, cloud nine is just crowded. You know, and, and, but we have this kind of idea that that's what heaven is going to be, sitting around on clouds playing harps and doing nothing, wearing white. It's not going to be anything like that. We will be serving the living God. We will be with joy, working, serving. And whatever that means or wherever that is, I don't know. In fact, these two guys on the thing said, well, let's just play Risk. <laughs> that kind of takes forever, doesn't it? If you ever played that game. But we have that misconception. It will not be anything like that. We will be serving God. Doing what? Doesn't say. But we will be doing things that will be serving God forever. Here's your chance. Start. All of these things you can start. You can come to God. As it says, the throne of God will be there. We will have his presence. Start now. Pray. Pray for one another. Come into the presence of God. Have quiet time. Have devotions where you sit with your Bible and open it up and let God speak to you and you pour your heart out to Him. Serving. You can serve. You can serve the Lord now. 
You will forever. Get used to it now. Here's the best thing, I think. We will see his face. I can't imagine what joy it will be to see the face of the one who gave his life for me. I can't imagine the overwhelming joy <coughs> sorry, that we will have all of our life, all of eternity, seeing his face forever. What a joy that will be. Another quote from Vance Habner. The New Testament writers did not speak of going to heaven as much as going to be with the Lord. It's not the other shore that charms us as much as it is Jesus on the shore. That will be the true joy. It will be Him. We will see Him, the Savior, the God who loves us forever. We spoke of this actually in the Lord's Supper. His name shall be on our foreheads. I don't know what that's going to look like, but it'll be great. He owns us. He bought us with his blood. He purchased us. We are his. He is mine. And my na his name will be on my forehead. It will be that point in time when the consummation of all things that I will be like him, his image impressed on my brow forever and ever. I will be fully conformed to the image of Christ. I will look just like him. He will look like me will recognize each other because in that state, I will fully be his. There'll be no more night. We kind of talked about that. The city will be in perpetual sunlight. Uh, S-O-N light. Never have any clouds or storms or darkness. We will not need to sleep. Our bodies will be awake all the time in Hebrews, but we'll still be at rest for eternity. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. It's a stark contrast for those who are in the lake of fire. We will be in eternal rest. It says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 11, and it's a very sobering passage. I don't think I've, no, I didn't put it up here. Revelation chapter 14, verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Now, there are times when I just need rest and it's so refreshing. I can't imagine an eternity of needing and wanting and desiring rest and never able to get it. That is what will happen to those who have not come to Christ. Those who who are in the lake of fire. They will have no rest day or night, it says. But in the presence of God, there is light, there is life, and there is vitality, and there is no need for sleep, but there is rest. There is rest forever in Him. Okay, I've got to move along here. We will reign forever. Not only will we serve, but we will reign forever. Like Adam back in Eden, we will have dominion over all creation, over this new creation. It's not known what or whom we will rule over, Again, the passage isn't clear. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, that we will judge angels. Perhaps we will reign over them. I don't know. Perhaps we'll have our own little corner of the universe to, to reign and rule over. I don't know. All I know is the scripture says that we will reign with him forever. I'm going to close with this verse. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 
eye has not seen, or, but as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You think of all the great things you've seen. Some of us have traveled a lot. Some of us have traveled a little. But we have all seen things that have <gasps> taken our breath away. Mountains, waves, the sea, whatever. Something has taken your breath away that you've seen. It pales in comparison to what's in heaven. The best thing you've ever seen on this earth is nothing compared to what you will see in heaven. We have heard great things. Perhaps it's, it's the, the, the first cry of your child. Perhaps it's your, your, your loved one saying, I love you. Perhaps it's just words of comfort when you were down and sick or something like that. We have heard things like that. It pales in comparison to what we will see and hear in heaven. We can't imagine what God has put there. It says, nor has it entered into the heart or the mind of man, the heart it says, the things that God has prepared. We can't even imagine, we can't even describe what God has prepared for us. It is going to be a wonderful place. And I hope these thoughts are encouraging to you. I hope that as you think about these things, you will think more of heaven. I think if, if I am motivated too and have a desire to see more people go there to get out and, and tell the good news of the gospel to people who can have a home in heaven, the hopelessness of this world, the lost condition of this world can be taken away by the hope of heaven. If you're here this morning and you have never come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, the things that I'm speaking of, you will have no part of unless you come to Him. Look at the news and what's been going around, on and around us now. Look in this neighborhood. Look in my neighborhood. It's a pretty messed up place. Our world is really, really messed up. And we read these things and we lift, lift up our eyes and we realize what God has in store for us as believers. Our best days are to come. Our best days are ahead. I have to ask you this question finally, again. Are you going there? Do you know today that your sins are forgiven and you have a sure hope of heaven? This is your opportunity today to choose eternal life and you can have life and hope of heaven. We'll pray and then we'll sing a song and then we'll go downstairs for our lunch. Father, thank you for this magnificent hope that we have. Can't even start to describe the beauties of heaven, the joys of heaven. Oh, to see your face, to be in your presence forever, to have the absence of sin, no more sin nature. No more struggles, no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, no more mourning, no more difficulty, no more struggle. Forever. Thank you that you've provided a way by sending the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He was speaking specifically of how to get to heaven at that point. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know for sure, maybe they just don't know, they're just not sure, that they will talk to somebody 
and settle this matter today before they leave this building. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with hope and with joy of what lies ahead as we will be in your presence forever. We thank you for the food that's been provided for us. Thank you for the fellowship we will have. And we just pray, Lord, as we partake of this meal, that again you would continue to encourage us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, actually have it on here.